morning long. <laughs> I think I'll stay further away so I don't blow out your ears. But a very warm welcome to all of you, especially if you're visiting Westridge for the first time this morning. Uh, it's really lovely to see you. It's fantastic to have you with us. Uh, this morning we're going to be reading John chapter 14. Sorry, Sam, do you mind just turning the lights on? We're going to read from John chapter 14. Here at West Church, we've been going through the gospel account of John. And it talks all about Jesus, His words, and His actions. And this morning, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 7 of John chapter 14. Verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where we are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen them. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, we're so grateful to you for this time that we have now to gather together on this Sunday morning to come before your word and to seek after your truth. Lord, we pray that your spirit would speak in every heart here and that you would teach us yourself personally what the truth is in this passage. So speak to us, Lord, because we long to hear from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Now, as we come to this part of the Gospel of John, really the context is the last week of the life of Jesus while he was on earth. And right before this uh, little passage here, John, the writer of this book, was just telling how Jesus predicted to Peter and all his rest of his disciples, saying, I'm going to be gone, and where I go, you cannot yet follow me. And Peter and his bravado, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that Peter is a very... Uh, puts himself forth and he says Lord I'll go with you and I'll even die for you and Jesus says in light of that brash confidence he says Peter you will deny me three times before the night is over before the rooster crows in the morning that is the immediate setting to this little passage these seven verses that we read of Jesus's words to his disciples and amazingly right after his prediction that Peter would deny him three times. And if Peter, how much more so the rest of the disciples? He says to them there in verse 1, some of the sweetest words that a Christian can ever read. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Even though you are about to face the most testing time of your walk with me so far, that I am going to be crucified. As a criminal and you will be scattered and you will even deny me three times you'll be going to the lowest of lows Jesus looks at his disciples and says let not your hearts be troubled and it is a fantastic encouragement because who wants to go through life with a troubled heart and we see here in verse 1 that Jesus immediately after saying let not your hearts be troubled he says Believe in God, believe also in me. 
And so you see here in the logic of Jesus' words that these two things really stand in opposition, as it were, in two sides of the fence. A troubled heart or believing in God and a believing also in Christ, which of course is that indication that Jesus and God are one. But you know, if you go through life as a Christian person and you think of general things about God, and you believe general things about God, such as God loves me in general, and He is good in general, and surely He has some general sense of goodwill towards me, that will very often fail you when your heart is troubled. How can a Christian have a heart that is untroubled in the lowest of lows? And you know, amazingly, in this passage, Jesus gives specific truths for His disciples to know. You kind of see the, the idea here. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Verse 2, and almost the connection is, because of these things that I am about to tell you. Not general ideas that God is good and everything will work out. Which is actually certainly a biblical truth, but... Jesus wants His disciples to direct their minds and their hearts on specific truths that He will now teach them. And this morning I want to consider dividing what He says in this passage essentially into two things. And I want to commend them to you as to specific reasons why you should have your hearts be untroubled. And the first we read in verse 2, Jesus begins to talk in a metaphor. He says, In my Father's house, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a room for you? And he goes on to say in verse 3 that if I go and prepare a room for you, I'll come back and take you again so that you may be where I am. And so the first thing this morning that I will summarize is Jesus tells them their destination, their ultimate end point, where they will end up. And he uses this idea, this illustration of the Father's house. And he says, God the Father has a house over which He is the Father, He is the Lord of the house. And all the people who are in the house, they each have a room prepared. And Jesus says, I am the one who goes and prepares a room for you. In essence, if you think in this illustration, there in the house of God will be a room with the name of a Christian engraved on it saying, this is Han Lee's room, this is your room. And Jesus is the one who has prepared such a room. And we have to ask, what, what is he saying exactly with this illustration of the house? It's not, it's not a physical house in heaven that we should expect to rock up to. What does Jesus mean? Well, even there in the end of verse 3, if you look there, he actually spells it out. He says, that you may be where I am. And this idea of having a room in the Father's house is simply the expression of being with God in His presence forevermore. When you invite someone over to your house, what are you doing? You're spending time with them. You're opening your life to them. And the people that you don't want with you, you keep out of your house. And to be in the house of God means to be in the presence of God. To enjoy relationship, fellowship with God Almighty. That is the first truth that Jesus puts as the basis for why 
His disciples should have an untroubled heart, no matter what they are going through. But here's the thing that I want to draw out, the assumption behind the words of Christ. And the assumption is that that would actually be desirable for a person to be with God. Now what do I mean by that? When Jesus thinks about what the disciples are about to go through, the most lowest of lows, Peter and all the disciples ran away and they were so scared they locked themselves in a room, which is where Christ, the risen Christ, found them when He rose from the dead. They were so terrified, so despondent. And Jesus says, in that circumstance, you should be untroubled because you know your destination will be with me. But that presupposes that the disciples' greatest desire and the greatest good for them is to be with God. And so that little implication, even there tells us that a true disciple of Jesus Christ, their greatest desire and their aim in life is to be in the presence of God, right? If a person does not see being with God in Jesus Christ as the greatest good for them, why would they be comforted in the harshest of circumstances? Jesus does not promise disciples that the circumstances will change. Therefore, let your hearts be untroubled. He doesn't say to Peter, don't be troubled, my disciple. Actually, I'll make it so that you won't deny me. I'll make it so that you won't have to experience anything difficult. That's not the promises of Jesus. He doesn't promise a change of circumstances. But He says to them, let not your heart be troubled. He's seeking the inward change of a person. So much so that the heart can weather through any circumstances the most intensest of sufferings and trials because they have been changed inwardly. And this truth of the disciple, you will be with God in His fullness of His presence, is predicated, built on the assumption that a person wants to be with God. And that's why the Scriptures, when it talks about really knowing Jesus Christ on a personal level, always points to one thing that is in common, and it points to love for Jesus Christ. And even as I talk about this wonderful promise of being with God, there may be some here who feel nothing about that reality. To them it means nothing. And that itself is an indication that they have not yet come to know God. When the psalmist that we just read, Leonard read in Psalm 27, his greatest desire is to be with God. Oh, for one day to dwell in your tents, to see your beauty, to be with your God. Psalm 84 says it's better than a thousand days elsewhere. The heart of a person who has truly been changed by the power of God, regenerated, come to know God personally, will love God. And will desire God above all else. But can I speak to you now directly? If you feel in your heart this morning. I don't care if you've come to church since you were an infant. But if you feel not in your heart this morning. A desire to be with God. 
and a love for Jesus Christ, I don't want you to be deceived. Because the Bible points to a love for Jesus as the evidence that one has come to know Him and be in relationship with Him. And that promise, this first one about the destination of every disciple, is given to those who know the sweetness of what I'm talking about. Do you know the, the wonderfulness of being in God's presence? Do you love Jesus that you want to be with Him more? Know Him more? The Bible spells out that love for Jesus is a desire to obey His commands. Do you want that in your life? Do you want to live more consistently with the will of God so that you might be more united with Him on a daily basis? If that is you, the words of your Lord comes to you here. You will be with me. So look forward to that day. That's a guarantee. Because Jesus, the omnipotent word, will come himself personally to collect you. It's not going to fail. He'll not miss you and lose you. And he's not going to have, you know, not enough power to take you to himself. Verse 3 says, I will come and take you to be with me. You see how that truth, for a heart that has truly come to know God, wow! That is a truth that will keep the heart confident and filled with peace through the most difficult of circumstances. Believer, your destination will be with God, full stop. That is where you will be. You know, when I first became a Christian, month after my 19th birthday and God revealed himself to me opened my heart one of the first things I experienced was the deep conviction that I deserved hell that I was sinful that I had rebelled against God but from that point I read the scriptures saying that he came to save such sinners like myself and the incredible thing that I found in me was a desire to know more about him that was never there before in my entire life I think back then, I got a hold of a New King James Version or something like that, and I just read it in a matter of months because there was something in me that wanted to know more about this God who the Bible says loved me so much that He was willing to die for me. Not in general die for sinners, but die for this sinner, me, my sins upon His shoulders. I need to know more of Him. I want to be with Him. I want to have a greater knowledge of Him. That is the response of a heart that has truly come to know God. And I pray, oh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is you this morning. Because that, that is not your heart. These promises here mean nothing to you. Being with God for all eternity will seem to you to be a burden and wearisome. Because you have not come to know Him in truth. You have not come to know Him as you well. And I pray that you would. But the second thing that I want to bring out to you is not only the destination, but Jesus goes on to say in verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. Jesus says, you know the path to the destination. You know the way through which you will get to this destination that I have described. And in one kind of a wonderful reflection of the humanity of the disciples, Thomas looks gobsmacked at Jesus and says, we don't even know where you're going here. We don't fully understand. Verse 5. How can we know the way? 
that you're going through. And so Jesus looks at him. And perhaps one of the most famous and most often quoted statements of Jesus Christ. He looks at his disciples and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And often we hear about these three things and we hear them explained about how Christ is these things. But the context here is that among these three equal statements of who Jesus is, one thing stands out above them all. I am the way. Jesus says that the destination of being with God in the fullness of His presence forevermore, the way to get there is through knowing Him. And the amazing promise, you go on to read in verse 7. Just, just think with me here. If you were there hearing the words of Christ, if you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. And of course, later on in this passage, Philip, again in his lack of understanding, goes, show us the Father. He doesn't understand exactly what Jesus means. But here we see in this passage, Jesus looks out to everyone who believes in Him. And He says, if you have seen me and know me by faith, you know God. And you have come to see Him. Is there anything more wonderful than the fact that we have come to know God? It is not a possibility. It's not a you might know God if you keep searching after me. Jesus says from now on, you do know Him. Every believer can rest and let their hearts be untroubled if they look and say, I have come to know Jesus Christ and committed myself to Him in faith. The promise that Jesus says is that you have come to know God in His fullness. In His fullness. And the reason why I say that is because Jesus goes on to say He's the way and the truth and the life. What is He talking about there? It's just this threefold expression that He is everything. That He is all in all. The way to know God is to know Jesus Christ. And the way to know what is true is to know Jesus Christ. And the way to have life is to know Jesus Jesus is teaching His disciples, I am everything. But because we know from the rest of the Scriptures, He is God, the Son. The triune God is united to know Jesus, is to know God, full stop. And the wonderful kind of paradox, or the, you know, the wonderful thing is that Jesus is the destination. And He's also the path. And uh, John Owen, a famous theologian in church history, a few hundred years ago, says this. He says, a person that does not see Jesus Christ by faith now should not expect to see Him by sight in the age to come. And really the question this morning from God's Word is, do you now know personally Jesus Christ by faith? Have you come to experience His saving love not just in general as a theological statement, but specifically for you in your life. Do you know that He has come to save you and extend His arms to you? And if you know Him, you can be assured. You're not just come to the gate that leads to the path. You are on the path. 
And this path is not a forking path where you might get lost. This is a straight path to the destination. And this is why Jesus can say to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Christian believer today, I don't know what you're going through in your life. There's so many, all these sufferings and trials that people go through. But this morning, if you know Jesus Christ and you trust in Him and you know His love for you, you have the strongest of foundations on which to stand and on which to let your hearts not be troubled. Because you will be with Him full stop. And you already know Him. You're already on the path to Him. That's the wonderful encouragement that Jesus gives to His disciples. But you know, I also have to speak to those of you who are here this morning who may not yet know Jesus Christ. And even as I've described the disciple of Christ, I've tried to give you some measurements biblically to test your heart and to see where you are. But you know, the one word I want to bring to your attention of this morning, you are not yet a Christian, is that simple three-letter word in verse 6. The. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is something to be highlighted in today's 21st century. Over and against the claims of culture, the Bible says, Jesus says through the Scriptures, I am the only way to God. In me is the only truth that everyone must know. And only in knowing me and trusting me, committing yourself entirely to me, will you have life, even life eternal. Jesus is the exclusive, the unique the only way to God. And as if to reinforce it, Jesus even spells it out in verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if I could appeal to you this morning, if you are not yet a Christian, do not look for God in any other place. Because He will not be found. Jesus Christ is not only a supreme revelation of God. He's the only supreme and full revelation of God. Even for the Jewish people to which the gospel came at first, even though they knew the prior revelations of God, the test of whether they really knew God was not whether they followed those previous prophecies and revelations, but whether they now came to believe in Jesus Christ who was there. And the test for whether you really know God is whether you have come to know the only way, the only truth, the only life. Apart from Jesus, you cannot know God. You cannot have the truth. And you will not have it. And I say that to give you an appeal, to encourage you. Why not come this morning to Him? Why not come to Him in His Word and seek after Him? Why not pray now in your hearts, Lord, help me to know you. Help me to commit myself entirely to you. To know Jesus Christ is what we were created for. It is the greatest blessing that a human heart can ever have. To be in relationship with God in Jesus Christ. I say that to you from the truth of God's word 
as well as my own personal experience. To know God is the greatest thing. And Jesus himself says that you cannot know God apart from him. Apart from believing in him. You know, this week on Wednesday when I went to uh, Unitate in Mount Albert. And I had a Bible study here with the students as I do every week. And there was this guy there called Stephen. And he was talking about his testimony, how he became a Christian. He says he grew up in a Catholic home, but he never really took it seriously. But one day he read the Bible for himself. And he says at that point in his life, he was just, everything was going wrong. Friendships gone, relationships gone. He didn't know where he was going in life. He said he felt the, the lowest he had ever been. And he just thinks back to the Sunday school that he had been taught. And he just, he just remembered, I've got to go to Jesus Christ. And it's at that point of his lowest point of his life that he simply threw up his hands as it were and cried out to Jesus Christ, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. And he says from that point on, he came to know the love of Jesus Christ. You know, that's what faith is. Sometimes we're so overcomplicated. We think that faith has to do with knowing certain things or memorizing chunks of the Bible or coming to church regularly. Faith is simply an empty-handed commitment of oneself to the object of the faith. When I go on a bridge, I'm putting my faith in the fact that the bridge will hold my weight and will not collapse under me. It's simple. We do it every day. And the faith that the Bible commands of you is that you commit yourself entirely on Jesus Christ and rest your entire being and life on Him and His words. That is what faith is. And God invites you to know Him through faith in Jesus Christ. You can know Him this morning if you have not yet come to know Him. Your heart can be untroubled this morning through coming to a relationship with God. And oh, I pray that you will come to know Him. As many here in this church have come to know Him. We say to you together, that is the most wonderful blessing that you can ever experience. Let's pray now. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, that we have recorded here the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to His disciples. And we know, Lord, even as He spoke from 2,000 years ago, that they apply also to us. Because here in this church, there are many who believe in You and call on Your name. Lord, help us to have an untroubled heart, resting on the specific truth that we will be with You. You have promised to be so. And that we now are on the path to You because we know Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask in Your sovereign mercy and grace, would You open every heart here this morning who do not yet know you. Help them to know you in truth. Help them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so enter into life. And so enter into the most blessed condition that a human soul can ever be in. That is relationship with God. Do this, O Lord, we pray. We ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing and worship the Lord.